0: Let us hear now from the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. It's written. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father or who the Father is, except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us go to him now in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this entire summer, just as we began at the beginning of the year, the rest of the summer through the end of July, we will be spending time going through the gospel accounts of seeing Jesus praying, and and hearing Jesus pray, seeing what he did, what caused him, what led him into prayer, and what it was about. And so as we do so, each time we learn. We learn more about Jesus, we learn more about God, and we learn more about what prayer is to be like for us. Now, our passage today is often an overlooked passage. It's usually crammed in at the very end of the previous section. See, it's sandwiched right between two really big areas in the Gospel of Luke. First, at the beginning of chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 72 in pairs, giving them instructions on what to take with them to be able to perform miracles and cast out demons and proclaim the name of Jesus. And they come back and they report how awesome Jesus' name is. And then immediately following Jesus praying here to the Father, we get the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, both of these things that sandwich our passage today are very good things, very good things to learn from and to examine with great detail and desire. So is our passage today. It deserves our attention too. See, the Jesus we encounter throughout the gospel. His nature, we know, is one that is peaceful. We see Jesus in his very nature as peaceful. When the disciples are locked up in the house after the resurrection of Jesus, fearful for their own lives, Jesus appears to them in the Gospel of John. And he breathes on them and he says, My peace I give to you. We know Jesus is peaceful because we see the interactions he has with people throughout his life and ministry. Whether it's someone coming to tug at his garments or being questioned with hopes of entrapment. Jesus handles it peacefully. Peacefully. Even the disciples don't quite understand Jesus' peace all of the time. For when they are in the boat in the midst of turmoil and one of the biggest storms that they think will be their end, Jesus peacefully sleeps. Yes, we know Jesus for his peaceful presence. We also know Jesus for his sorrow and grief that he carries. For it was shared to us by the prophet Isaiah in the 53rd chapter. It's talked about in Hebrews that we have a great high priest, one who can sympathize and empathize with us because he too was a man of sorrows and grief. And three times, three times in the gospel accounts, we are told Jesus weeps. So we know Jesus is peaceful. We know of his sorrow and grief that, we, that he carries. But in our passage of Scripture today, we encounter Jesus' joy. His joy. And in all of the Gospel accounts, this is the only account of Jesus' rejoicing. This is the only account of his joy in the Gospels. One time do we see it. Oh, and how magnificent it is. And in fact, this word that says he rejoiced, it doesn't quite do justice to the strength of the Greek word used. It would be better to translate it as Jesus leaped for joy. He was overcome with joy that filled his spirit. Jesus had strong emotions of delight in this very moment. They were visible on his face. In his words. And in his voice. And our passage tells us. He rejoiced. In the Holy Spirit. That at the very core. Of who Jesus is. He was filled. With joy. That at the center of Christ. Our Redeemer. Was un. Ending joy. Our Savior's heart danced. Our Savior's heart danced. And in his dancing of joy, he turns to the Father and prays. his dancing for joy he goes to the father and we see first his joy was in the father's revelation of the gospel his joy was founded that god the father was willing to reveal his grace to people to show them his love and mercy to those who were sinners and rebels god chose Show them grace. Jesus' joy is found in God's gospel. In God revealing the gospel to the world. For You see, right before this, as we said at the beginning, Jesus sends out the 72 to go out and cast out demons, perform miracles, and to speak of Jesus in his name. And then they come back and they report great success. And in fact, in verse 17, before our passage today, we are told this. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Exclamation. His followers and disciples were overjoyed and astonished and in awe, even the demons. Are subject to his name. Well, Jesus likes their joy, but in verse 20, he draws their attention to place it in the right place. He says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus tells his followers, tells his disciples, what is appropriate to rejoice over? Not that they were able to perform miracles, not that they were able to cast out demons, that they were even subject to Jesus's name, but that their rejoicing should be located and found in the very fact that their names were written in heaven and that is their salvation and then immediately we see joy we see Jesus in his joy not take credit for what had just been accomplished but he turns in thanksgiving to the father for what the Father has done, for how the Father has chosen to reveal the gospel, for the way the Father chose to share his grace and make known Jesus' joy was that through the Father's grace, people's eyes were opened and their ears could hear. And so in Scripture, we're told to enter into his joy. Now, back in Nehemiah, in the Old Testament, in chapter 8, verse 10, we are told this. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength to enter into his joy. His joy that the Father has revealed the gospel. His joy that your name has been written in heaven. The author of Hebrews shares with us in the 12th chapter, verse 2. He says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, the joy that was set before him was that sinners would be made right with God and have eternity with him. The joy that was set before Jesus is that the Father would receive glory. The joy that was set before Jesus is that your name was written before the foundation of the earth and the Lamb's book of life. And it's for that joy, the author says, for that joy set before him, he endured the cross. Because of your salvation, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, sweet, sweet Jesus. For he even tells us in the gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 11, he speaks and he says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy, the joy of our salvation, the joy of God's gospel being revealed, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Do you hear that promise? That when you locate your life, your love in Jesus, he will fill you with unending joy. And some of us, some of us spend our lives looking for joy that doesn't end. We spend our lives searching for happiness that will last longer than a moment. And we search in different things, in different places, and in different people. Maybe they will complete me. Maybe they will finally bring me the happiness I desire. We may never say those words out loud. That's what is at our very heart's center in searching. And it's quite possibly that we can believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior and still search in this world in temporary things for joy and happiness because we're not quite sure that Jesus' joy is enough. That it really could fill us. We don't trust it. But it's laid out for us in Scripture that his joy would make us full, that we don't have to go searching in the world in temporary things, that after a short time we'll turn stale, we'll turn to dust or rust, or we will simply fade out of infatuation with, and our joy fades with it. But that in Christ, in Christ we're not relying on temporary things, but in the one who is eternal, the one who endured the cross so that we might have salvation, the one who knows us and loves us, wants us to be filled with his joy that we get the Father forever. See, Christ rejoiced over this gospel, over changing hearts. And that's where he tells us to locate our joy in our salvation, in him, and we will be filled. This is the promise. It's the promise found in Scripture. And here it's Jesus responding to the joy of his followers and disciples, and he rejoices. He rejoices in the response of babes and of children that they were the ones to receive the gospel. For they have childlike joy. For they have childlike open hearts. And he praises God that he revealed his grace to them. Children who aren't powerful. Children who are loved by the Father. And as he prays to the Father, he also says he's thankful he didn't do so to the wise. When Jesus talks about the wise, when Scripture talks about the wise, the, the wise in Scripture often refers to people with great pride in themselves who think they have already assented to some high intellectual understanding. The Apostle Paul will go on about it further in his first letter to the Corinthians Delineating between wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. That those who are wise in the world regard the cross and Jesus crucified as foolishness. But for those who are in Christ, it is the wisdom of God. So Jesus rejoices because it is the humble that God draws near for salvation. So we see the reason for Jesus' joy. Now when we look at this scripture, we, we can also take note of exactly how he expresses his joy. His joy is expressed in thanksgiving to God. By giving thanks to the Father, the joy that Jesus has does not lead to boasting. He does not lead to a celebration of saying, look at what I have done. But he turns to the Father and says, thank you for what you have done, Father. He gives thanks to the Father's sovereignty. Sovereignty, that's a really big word, isn't it? Essentially, it means there's no limit to God's rule, that He's in control. Nothing surprises God. And here Jesus gives thanks, rejoicing in God's will, that it's God's purpose to be made known through Christ. For it says here, Verse 22, all things have been handed over to me by my father, and no one knows who the son is except the father, or who the father is except the son, and anyone whom the son chooses to reveal him. Here at First Christian Church of the Beaches, we've said for a while now that we celebrate the gospel. This is what we do. And maybe we understand what it means and maybe we just think it's really easy to say. But when we say we celebrate the gospel, what we mean is this joy of the Lord. We rejoice in our salvation and we give thanks to the Father. We share Jesus to everyone. The source of our joy and our celebration. Celebrate the gospel, yes, yes we do. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For our sins, paying our debts, making us right with God, proving his love for us. Celebrate the gospel and give thanks to the Father. And when others ask you about your joy, brothers and sisters, point them to Jesus, for he will take them to the Father. Hallelujah and amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed by your loving kindness, by your grace and mercy you've shown upon us. That while we were rebelling against you, you were mindful of us. You sought us. That we were objects of your affection. Oh Lord, we thank you for that salvation. We praise Your name and bring glory to you through Jesus Christ. Lord. May we turn to you in search of the joy that fills us. And may we be quick to point to the world. Exactly where that came from. This we pray in Jesus name. Amen.